Learn. Okay, we've got a great, uh, great number of commentaries to share with you, uh, some beautiful ideas. Let's learn Parshas Re'eh. Parshas Re'eh. Re'eh, which comes from the word of look or to see. We're going to study the first couple of psukim together, as we often do, um, is about blessings and curses. The, uh, the Parshan which uh, Moshe tells the Jewish people, as he does many times, uh, that their life hangs in the balance and there's a choice, a road, a path in front of them, and they're going to have to choose. So what I'd like to do is let's learn the first couple of psukim quickly. We'll raise a couple of questions along the way, and then we'll uh, learn it through a little bit and come to some, uh, hopefully, uh, some uh, interesting insights along the way. Here we go, top of the parsha Says Moshe to the Jewish people, Re'eh. Again, as I said, so how would you translate the word Re'eh? Like see or look. See or look. Is that a singular or a plural form of the word? Singular, right? It's a singular form of as if you're speaking to an, a single individual, re'eh. If, if it was plural, it would have sounded like? Re'u, very good. You're excellent. You guys are all very good. Re'eh, says Moshe to the Jewish people. Anochi no sein lifnechem hayom. I am placing before you today bracha uklala, a blessing and a curse. Okay, now what did you notice about the word lifnechem? Lifnechem is plural, so you have a little bit of an odd usage, a structure, just in terms of the syntax of the Pasuk. Re'eh, look as if I'm speaking to one person. I'm placing before you, before you, plural, all of you, a blessing and a curse. Okay, we'll get to that. Let's just raise some issues. If I also wanted to say something to you like, hey, I'm putting before you a blessing and a curse, what word would I use if I wanted to grab your attention to the idea that I'm about to place before you a blessing and a curse. And what, like understand or listen, right? What does the word re'eh always, like re'eh means? Look, see, right? Is, is Moshe actually pointing to anything? It's, it's a different kind. You would, I would think the word shema, like shema Yisrael, listen, hear, understand, I'm about to say something important. Re'eh, whenever that's used, is interesting because, re, like, like, look, now we do that in English often, we'll say, like, hey, 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 look, look here, look here. It's a way of speak, right? See, but it always, you have to understand why would Moshe use this language of re'eh to look, I'm placing before you a blessing and a curse. Now we're going to get back to this pasuk in a minute. I want to read one or two more pasuk and we're going to go back. Let's continue. Moshe's going to explain, and it seems like it's a pretty simple equation. Let's read. Esa bracha, the blessing. Asher tishmu el mitzvos Hashem elokechem. Asher nochi mitzvos chem ayom. If you will listen and heed the, the mitzvos of Hashem that I'm commanding you today, okay, then you'll get blessing. Vehaklala and the curse. Imlo tishmu el mitzvos Hashem elokechem. If you do not listen to the mitzvahs of Hashem. So it's not a pretty straightforward equation. If you listen to the mitzvahs of Hashem and you observe them, blessings. And if not, curses. And on the side of curses, Moshe expounds more and expands it more than just the simple equation of the bracha. The bracha was simply, if you listen to the mitzvahs, blessings. Klala, curses, if you don't listen. And then he adds, visartem min haderech, and you stray from the path Asher anochim mitzvah eschem ayom that I am commanding you today. Lolechas acharei Elohim acherim asher lo yidah attempt to follow after the other gods with of which you do not know. So he adds not just that you don't observe the mitzvahs, but you specifically stray after idolatry of Odezara Elohim acherim as well. So okay, we have the basic setup. 
We have the basic setup of blessings and curses, brachas and klalos, and it's an equation. If you follow blessings and if you don't, then it is going to be curses. Okay, very good. Now Rashi understands what brachas and klalos, are we, what are we referring to when we say blessings and curses? So Rashi understands that what we're referring to here is the very next Pasuk, which we'll read, and then again we'll go back. But let's just read a little bit further. The very next Pasuk, Pasuk Chav Tes 29. When you will come to the land, because remember, of course, Moshe doesn't actually make it to the land. But when you do, These blessings and curses will actually be stated. And this is what's going to happen on Har Grizim and on Har Eval. There are going to be two mountains. That when the Jews cross over the Jordan River, one of the first stops they're going to make is onto these two mountains of Har Grizim and Har Eval. The 12 tribes are going to be split, six on one mountain, six on another mountain, and the Kohanim and the Levim on the valley below. And that's where we're actually going to receive the blessings and the cursing. There are 11 blessings and 11 curses that will be said. And this is what, what the Rashi understands, the opening psukim that we read. When Moshe says, look, I'm placing before you blessings and curses, he's referring to what he was about to say of, when you get to the lands, you're going to go onto these two mountains, and the Levim and the Kohanim are going to stand below, and they're actually going to express, here are the blessings you're going to receive, and here are the curses that you will receive if you do or if you don't. So far, so good? And so Moshe is introducing this entire concept of that which is going to happen, uh, the blessings and the curses. Okay, we'll talk more about Hagrizim and Har'eval towards the end. Let's just circle back to the beginning a couple of these points that we, uh, that we started with to sort, of, uh, to sort of set them up. Okay, number one, we mentioned the language of re'eh. Re'eh is an interesting lesson, like language of, like to look and to see something. So I want to share with you two comments, uh, which I found um, very moving. Very, uh, very moving. Number one is the Svarna. The Svarna was one of the classic commentators on Chomish. And is troubled by this, like, what are we looking at? It's as if Moshe is saying, hey, there are going to be blessings and curses, and I want you to see them. So the, the Sforno writes as follows, Habita ure, take a look. I want you to see, I want you to notice something in life. Shelo in yanecha shel al ofen beinoni kemoshu minhag birov. Your lives as a nation, the Jewish people, will never be... In the, middle. in the middle, neutral or parv. We are a people from the very beginning and until now that have always been different. And as the Sforno writes, your choices are blessings or curses. Can I just be in the middle? Can I just be parv? Like, let me, I'll just, you know, I'll just be. How many nations are in the world? They just are. They're not either down and being uh, pogromed and persecuted and holocaust and crusaded, and they're not the top of the world. They're just, they're just living their lives. It's just normal. Says the Sforno Re'eh, look, you're God's people. It doesn't work that way. You're not parved. You're not in the middle. 
You're going to be in the extremes. You're either going to be doing what you need to be doing, you're going to be at the top of the mountain, or you're not going to be doing what you're supposed to be doing, and then it's going to be to the bottom. You will not be middle of the road. And Jewish history has played itself out for 2,000 years. This is, it's just the way that it is. It's the way that it is. And so the, the Sfarno sees in the language of, hey, look, I'm placing before you a blessing and a curse. And those are your two options. It's either on this side, this extreme, or this side, and that extreme. And that's the way that you are going to function and focus. Heim shnei haktsavos, the two extremes. Because when you're the king's prince, you're not normal. You're not an everyday average guy. You're either going to be taking over the throne, or you're supposed to and you didn't, and then you just, you just don't become average. And so therefore, the Sorno season, that way, I want you to look. And look throughout Jewish history, you'll see it always. That's just the way, the way it's going to go. The sages describe this as a scale. They put Rome and Yerushalayim, so to speak, on the two sides of the Either Rome, which represents the last 2,000 years of our exile. If one is up, the other is going to be down. But it's, it's always just that balancing act as to uh, where we're holding in, uh, in life. Okay, on that note... On that note, the language of re'e, we said, was singular or plural? Singular. It's odd because he's speaking to all of the people, and he even says, I'm placing before you, lifneichem, plural. So why does he mention it in, in the singular? So on that note, there's a beautiful comment from the Kliyakar, also one of our classic commentators, who points out that this is a, a reference to that which the sages point out in the Gemara, which is appropriate. Believe it or not, Rosh Chodesh Elul is around the corner in like two weeks. Rosh Hashanah is going to be in six weeks. It's here. So we're almost in that mindset. It's like, it's time. It's Elul. It's Tshuva. It's time to, to get ourselves ready. So in, in that vein, the Kliyakar makes the comment that the sages say as follows, A person should always see as if the entire world, the entire world, is hanging in the balance, exactly split down the middle, between their schus, their merits, and their chova, the things that they've done inappropriately, as if literally, not just an individual person, the whole world is in the balance between its zuchuyos and its avonos, and each person should see himself or herself, asa mitzvah achas, if you do one mitzvah, and if a person does one good mitzvah, it's as if not just that you pushed yourself, but that you pushed the whole world onto the side of supposed. And if you do one misstep, not just that you pushed yourself, but that you pushed the whole world. In the... And so the Gemara says every person should live with that mindset. The world, <coughs> I, I have the ability to carry the world for good, or if I'm not careful, for bad. And so... The Kliyakar sees in Moshe's statement as he's introducing, look, I'm placing before you a blessing, a bracha, and a klala. He says it's singular. He's talking to each and every individual. I want you, the individual, to see there's a bracha and a klala. You have the ability to take the entire world with you. The Rambam mentions this as well when he discusses in Hilchas Tshuva. As again, I mentioned we're getting into Elul time. Like that we, we walk around with the significance with the ability to know that we can impact and we have an effect 
that every single person because of me, for my sake, the entire world was created and I could bring the entire world to its fulfillment or heaven forbid I could drag it down uh, to the depths. And so uh, the Kliyakar, again, in that word Re'eh, you have these two ideas of, look, you as a people are unique. You as a people on the two extremes, it's either a bracha or a klala, and re'e singular, each and every one of us has the ability to impact which way we're going to go with that. We should live lives with significance, live lives with meaning and with purpose, and that it matters, uh, everything that we do. Okay, last comment on, last comment on this opening pasuk. So the Or HaChaim, also one of our classic commentators, is troubled by a single, a singular letter which really is missing a letter. Uh, a word that's missing a letter. Re'eh, they go back to this first passage. Re'eh, look. I'm placing before you a bracha uklala. Translate for me literally bracha uklala. How would you translate that? Excellent. What really should it have been based on what Moshe is about to say? Uh, or, right? Because he's about to say, if you do the mitzvahs, then blessing. If you don't, then a curse. So really, he should have said, hey, look, Re'eh, I'm placing before you either a blessing or a curse. It should have said, bracha, oh, or a curse. Bracha, uklala, sounds like I'm placing before you. It's not, wait a minute, it's not both. Either it's going to go this way or it's going to go that way. Why does he use the language of, I'm placing before you both? So the Orchayim picks up on this and says an amazing thing. He says, the reality is, the reality is in our lives, very rarely is there a path that we can take in the way that we choose to live, which will be clean, crystal clear, and always good. It doesn't work that way. He, he uses a mushal of an actual path that a person can walk. If there's a person standing on a uh, crossroads, and uh, people are coming by, and, and, and as he's standing there, they can either go to the right or go to the left. And they say to him, like, which road should I take? So he says to him, well, I'll tell you. This road here off to the right, right now it looks clean and clear of thorns and thistles and, and, and pits. It looks good. But I just want you to know, at the end of the path, when you go around the bend and you can't see anymore, it's really tough. This road here to the left, when you look at it, it looks like it's going to be a tough go. It looks like it's not easy or smooth terrain and that there are thorns in the way. But I want you to know that if you get past that first little bit that you can see, as soon as you're done with that, the rest of the road is smooth sailing. Which one do you want? So the Rechaim says that when Moshe is giving us our choice, he's giving us a choice. He's like, which one do you want? Do you want your blessings or do you want your curses? So in, in his um, conceptualization of what is being asked of us, so we, we look at our lives and how we want to live. So the path that seems smooth and clear is a path of not fun. Like, it's easy, it's good, I do whatever I want, I enjoy, it's like a great path. So he says, yeah, it's, it's going to start off really good, but, but then there's a point where the road curves and you can't see anymore, and then the path that you chose, which was, Whatever you wanted, no rules, no regulations, not have to follow anything, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not going to be so good. But this other path, you know, we've spoken about many times. It's not Shabbos, Kashros, these things aren't easy. High school tuition, not easy. These things are, are complicated, right? So you, when you look at it, you're like, oh, I got all these thorns along the way. Yeah, 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 I know. But in the end, 
in the end that that pass moves out. It's a, it's a difficult go in the beginning. And he says it in the way of, Moshe says both. There is no such thing as a path that doesn't have both a blessing and a curse in it. There's no such path that we can take in life that's all good. It's not true. Every decision, every path, every, every road we take will have aspects that are good and some aspects that are going to be difficult and complicated. We all know that. We've all experienced life. Most of you have experienced much more life than I have. You know that much better than I. That's how it goes. So, so he points out, Moshe says the language of, listen, I'm placing before you bracha u'klala, blessing and curses. Meaning, every road you're going to go on is going to have a little bit of both. But if you choose this path, the path of blessing, blessing, even though there might be some thorns along the way, but you'll see, you'll get past those, and then the long road of eternity is a good one. But if you choose the other path, it might look appealing now. Do whatever I want, no rules, it's simple. But there's going to be a point where you can't see along the bend anymore, and then there are going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of thorns and thistles as you go. And, but in, in each path, in every step, there are both. And uh, that's really a beautiful comment because, as, again, as all of you have experienced in life, you know, life isn't linear in the sense of like, oh, it's either good or bad. It's not true. Life is complicated. Life has moments of tremendous joy and excitement and good things, and it has moments that are difficult and painful, and sometimes they come together. Sometimes they come one right after another. And, and it's a bracha uklala, but choose the bracha because at the end, the bracha, win, there's more of that, so to speak, or it's longer lasting, certainly in an, in an eternal perspective than the alternatives. But uh, the idea, I, I, I found very moving that it's, there's always a bracha uklala, in uh, almost every step of the way, and it's finding the good and working our way past that, which is sometimes a little bit more uh, complicated. Okay, now let's go back to the, the big picture. So Moshe is saying, I'm putting before you a blessing and a curse. And where, and he, and he, he says it, this is going to happen again on Har Grizim and Har Eval, which we'll mention again in a moment. One more thing before we get to that. Moshe, let's go back to Pasuk Chavzain, the second Pasuk in our Parsha. Um, there is a a, a nuanced difference in the way that Moshe describes the equation which we've mentioned. The equation, again, if you follow the mitzvahs, you'll get blessings, and if you don't, then you have the clause. Let's read this passage carefully, and you'll, you'll see, I hope, it will jump off the page in the next two psukim, the difference. Es bracha. here's the bracha. Asher tishmu'u el mitzvos Hashem elokechem. How would you translate the word asher? Asher tishmu'u el mitzvos Hashem elokechem. When or that. Asher is a difficult word to translate. Sometimes it means when, sometimes it means that. The bracha, when or that, you fulfill the mitzvos. The haklala, go to the next pasuk in Chofchas. The haklala, im lo tishmu'u el mitzvos Hashem alukeichem. How would you translate that? If you don't. That's a very simple structure. Im means if. So the curses will come if you don't. The parallel then should have been in the first pasuk, the habracha should have said, im tishmu. If you listen, you'll get blessings. If you don't listen, you'll get curses. But that's not what Moshe uses. That's not the language he uses. He says the blessing that you will listen and the curses if you don't. Just, ah, so Rashi picks up on this. And Rashi says the blessings are, he uses language, al minas, on condition that you listen. The blessing is on condition that you listen. So the morale explains, what does Rashi mean by doing that? The Rashi's 
So Moshe is really saying something very, very deep here. It's a beautiful uh, parenting lesson. Um, we'll adapt it to grandparenting in a moment, but we'll start with just a beautiful parenting lesson. Parenting never ends, ever. So we'll, we'll, we'll start it with that. So Rashi says like this. Imagine, sort of like what we, we started with the same idea. Moshe says to the people, you're going to get blessings if you listen, and you get curses if you don't. What's, what's the default position? Meaning when the Jewish people enter into the land, enter into the land, is it going to be blessings are going to be bestowed upon them or curses or is nothing going to happen until we have like this waiting period, right? Just like, like imagine this scenario. I'll, give, I'll, I'll put it into a mushal. A teacher walks into a classroom at the beginning of the year and the teacher lays out the, the, the law. If everybody follows all the rules, we're going to have all sorts of prizes and candy and extra recess. And if everybody doesn't, I'm going to take away this and extra homework. Okay, fine. And it's like the first hour. And so the students are all feeling like, okay, now what? Are we like, well, what happens now? Like, we haven't started. Are you waiting to see, like, how we behave over the next week? Like, what happens before we've made our decision of behavior? What's the default? That we get the good stuff or that nothing happens? You hear my question? So let's say we would have asked this about the Jewish people entering into the land. So Moshe lays it out. If you follow, great things will happen. If you don't, terrible. Okay, well, what's the status as we enter? Like no man's land? Are you waiting? Did so, God tell Moshe? Wait, 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 I want to say, before we get to Christ, let me finish this up before we get to the separate question. Before we get to the separate question. So Moshe says, so the morale explains what Rashi means is, the difference in this language. The bracha, asher tishmu. That's, you will, you'll get blessings. The cursings, curses are if. if. What that means is the blessings start right away. There's an assumption you're going to choose right and you're going to do well. And I'm going to give you your blessings right away on condition that you keep it up. Meaning, if you don't, I'll take them away. But what's the default? What's the starting point? goodness. There's an assumption of good. There's an assumption of blessing. There's an assumption of Hashem said, I just, I just want to give you everything. That's the default. That's the default. You're going to come into the land and I'm going to start bestowing my goodness upon you on condition that you continue. If you stop, if you don't keep up your end of the bargain, then we're going to flip it around. And instead of the blessing, it's such a beautiful language of what is the default dynamic? It's not parv. It's not in the same way as the Jewish people are not parv. We're on one side or the other. Our relationship with Hashem is not parv. It's not, I'm going to stand off and wait to see, wait to see what you do, whether or not I'll give you blessings. No, 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 it's not parv. The, the default nature of the relationship is, I give you blessings. You're my children. It's asher tishmu, that which you will follow, here come the blessings. It happens to be, I need to let you know that if you don't, if, if you don't, then there's going to be curses. And that is the dynamic. It's, it's, it's such a great, 
paradigm for, you know, the classroom dynamic, for a parent-child dynamic of the default position is, this is going to be great. The default position is, this is going to be wonderful, and there are going to be blessings and good times. You should know that if, if it doesn't work out, yes, there are going to be ramifications and consequences. But the default position is, here, here come up. The reason why this is not a grandparenting lesson is because grandparents only do good. There's no, there's no other option. It's only, you know, blessings, and anything else is the parent's problem. Right? That's not your job. That's not your problem. That's the parent's problem. Grandparents just bestow goodness. So it's like, Hashem is like, I'm also like, even though we use banim, I think, like my children, so Hashem throws in, listen, if you don't behave, I'm gonna, there are going to be consequences. But what's the default? Asher tishmu, they're going to be, they're going to be blessings. And it's really, it's a great model for so many of our relationships. We sometimes get distracted in like maybe a professional relationship. There could be something like, I don't know, I'm going to wait and see. We'll see how this goes. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe not. But that's not how you deal with a loving relationship. There, it's a default of goodness Unless something happens, okay, things happen. But the default, that's how Hashem treats us as well. Okay, one last point. One last point. Rashi tells us um, exactly what this looked like. Again, let's reread Pasuk Chavtes, uh, verse 29, that when you come to the land that Hashem has uh, given to you to inherit, and He's going to place the blessings on Har Grizim and the Klala on Har Eval. So Rashi explains... I can read it inside. Rashi explains that, that, as I mentioned earlier, they would gather at these mountains. By the way, has anyone been to these two mountains? They've, they've, they've uh, discovered not so long ago what they believe are these two mountains of Hagrizim and Harival. I've been there a couple of times. Um, there are these two mountains right outside the city of Shechem, which is an Arab city. So you need to go with a tour guide who's going to take you and knows how to go and when to go. What's amazing about these two mountains is they're literally side by side, the deep valley in between. And when you're standing there on, on one of the mountains, which you can access easier, uh, if everyone will be quiet that you're in your group, you can literally hear the cars and a horn and people talking. You can hear chatter from below. It's set up, the echo is so powerful that the people down below, you can, which is amazing because that's literally what the Torah says is going to happen, that you're going to have half the tribes on one, Half on the other, and you can literally see each other. You're right next to each other. And in the valley below, the Kohanim and the Leviim will stand, and they will give the blessings. And the, Rashi explains, we're going to take a look in the Pesukim later in a moment, that first, they're going to, first they turn to Har Grizim, and they say, blessed is the person who doesn't make for himself a molten image or some type of idol. And everybody says, Amen. And then they turn to the other mountain and they say, cursed is the person who makes himself such a, an idol. Yes, and then they would say, blessed is the person who doesn't strike their mother or their father. And cursed is the person who does strike their mother or their father. Blessed is the person who doesn't move the border. Masigvul. In those days, you know, you had farmland and you had borders. So it was very easy. In the middle of the night, you just picked up the stakes and you moved them a couple of feet and you changed the borders. And if you did that a couple of times over the course of the year, before you know it, you've gained yourself a couple of, a couple of acreage. So, so blessed is the person who doesn't you know, steal land by moving borders. And then they would say, cursed is a person. So Rashi explains that would be the process, the Kohanim would be in the middle, and they would turn to this, and then they would say the blessings, and everybody would say amen, and then they would say the curses, and everybody would say amen. That's how the process would go. Rashi explains it as follows. What I want you to do is take a look, take a look at page 1072. Keep your finger on the place, but take a look at page 1072. 
because a few parshas from now, a few weeks from now, Moshe, in his, one of his final speeches, is actually going to spell this out, what the process should look like. On page 1072, so you'll see in the very top of the page, uh, Moshe gives the command to the uh, Ziknei Yisrael that this is what's going to happen, and they're going to cross over the border, and they're going to write out the Sefer Torah. And what I want to show you is... Um, the very bottom of the page. On the very bottom of the page of verse 11, Pasukid Aleph, uh, Moshe commanded the, the nation on that day, and he said, These are the ones that are going to stand on Hargrizim. Shimon, Levi, Hudi, So he names which six tribes should stand on Hargrizim. And then on the top of page 1074, And these are the six tribes that are going to stand on Hargrizim. And the Anu HaLeviim, on the top of the page, verse 14, Pasuk Yedalad, and the Leviim are now going to say as follows. And then he gives us the actual 11 blessings and curses. So we'll, we'll read just a few of them. Arur ha'ish asher yasa pesro Cursed is a man who makes some type of molten image and keeps it in secret. And everyone's going to say, Amen. Verse 16. Cursed is a person who strikes or degrades his mother and the father. And all the people will say, Amen. 17, Yudzayin. Arur masig gvul re'ehu. Cursed is the person who moves the border. And all the people will say, Amen. 18, which is one more person. Arur mashge iver baderech. Someone who causes a blind person to go astray on a road. He misleads a person who's blind. Doesn't mean literally blind. That's a terrible thing to push a blind person into the wrong road. Somebody who's blind in a manner, who doesn't understand real estate, and you give him bad real estate advice. He doesn't understand oh, whatever, and you send him to the wrong place because it's your benefit, and all the people will say, Amen. We can go through all 11. But, but what Rashi points out here as well, on page 1074, is that even though what's listed here are all of the curses, before each curse, what was said before it was actually a, a blessing. Blessed is the person who doesn't do this or who does do that, so that at first it was the blessing pointed towards Har-Grizim, everybody said Amen, and then cursed is a person who does on Harival. So far so good? The morale asks a very powerful question. He says, I don't understand. If what happened was, when they got there, was first there were blessings, and then it was in the form of the curse, the Torah only actually lists one half of the equation. Which half of the equation does the Torah actually list? The curses. But what came first? The blessings. So he says, first of all, I would have, okay, you ran out of space, you couldn't do both, you didn't want to say Baruch Anamar, okay. Okay, you didn't want to do both. You wanted to shorten it, and you only wanted to list one, and then just tell me, their other one also happened. I can accept that. But if you had to choose, which one are you going to list when Moshe actually records in the Torah, and instead of listing 22, 11 blessings and 11 curses, you wanted to condense it. Okay, you only wanted to list half of it and didn't just tell me that the other half existed. Which one would you do? Would you have chosen to give me the 11 blessings in writing or would you have told me the 11 curses in writing? I would have liked to have had the, the blessings. So the Maral wants to know, being that Rashi tells us, based on our parsha, that the blessings came first, not only were they there, but that they came first, so then why is it when Moshe actually speaks to the people, the Torah only records curses? You hear that question? It's a powerful question. 
but it's got an even more powerful answer. I'm gonna, I'll give you a, a little mushroom, a little paradigm or parable to, to uh, try to explain this as best I understand it. Imagine trying to teach a young child to brush their teeth. <laughs> you mean nightmares, I'm giving you now, I'm sorry. It's, you're past that stage. So you have this little child, five years old, and you need to brush your teeth. Now it's really important for a child to brush their teeth because if they don't, <coughs> they're gonna cavities and it's a mess, it's a mess. But most five-year-old children don't like brushing their teeth. So you need to come up with a method to teach this child to brush your teeth in a way that they're not going to fight you and you're going to become exhausted and you're going to get into a fight every night. I don't want to get into a fight every night. I just want this to go smoothly. So you have two options. You have two options. One option is through the form of blessings. And you're going to say to the child, if you brush your teeth at night, I'm going to give you five extra minutes of bedtime. I'm going to read you an extra story. I'm going to send you to school, maybe with an extra healthy snack. Of course, you wouldn't want to send extra candy for having to brush your teeth. But maybe you even want to do, you could even say that. Because you brush your teeth, I'm not afraid to send you with extra candy because I know you're going to brush your teeth. So you can send all the, these are all the things that you're going to get if this goes smoothly and you brush your teeth. You're going to get extra bedtime, extra story, and candy and lunch. That's one option. Your second option is to say, come here, young man. I want to show you what's going to happen if you don't brush your teeth. And you take out a book that has, from dental school, the pictures of what cavities look like, and you show the child the cavities, and then you take the child to the dentist, and you have him sit in when the dentist is drilling into some other child, and you take him with the drill and the sound and the smell, and you take the child and you're like, this is what's gonna happen to you if you don't brush your teeth. And the child hears this other child in the screen, like, and he sees the whole thing, the drill and the bits. It's like, that's your choice. So those are your two options as a parent. How would you like to uh, encourage your child to, but you could either go with blessings and you can encourage by saying, if you do all these things, you're going to get all these extra things, or you can teach by saying, this is what's going to happen if you don't. Now, putting aside your emotional uh, connection to your child, which would you think is actually a more effective way of getting the child to brush your teeth? No, what do you think? What's the advantage of the first? The blessing. It, it works as long as the child is interested in extra bedtime and an extra book and a candy. But most children, good children, at some point will say, like, I don't care. I don't, I don't want it. Right? They're going to they're, they're give you a hard time because whatever you're offering, they want to up the ante. They want, you know, two candies and three candies. So it's, it's a good method. But anytime you're focusing on blessing and reward, at some point, the receiver of the reward will say, you know, it's not worth it. That's a nice reward, but, you know, you know, double it. And then maybe I'll listen, right? And I'm sure you've all been involved in these kinds of negotiations before. The advantage of the, of the second option is it's real, it's going to happen, child has seen it, and it's a... Yeah. But, it's, but, but again, it's, you didn't make anything up that's not true. It's not like you're frightening the child in a way that's not reflective of reality. Here's the reality. You don't brush your teeth. This is what happens. And I'm going to show you 
children who didn't brush their teeth, and this is what happened. And I just want you to know this is what's going to happen. This is literally what happens. That's a much more effective way. It's an acceptance when the child takes upon themselves to brush their teeth, it's with, I have to do this. It's not just because like, I, I, it's worth it for me because I get good things. It's because I have to do this. That, says the morale, is a fundamental difference between if you brush your teeth because you want candy or because you want extra bedtime, then you're doing it not because you understand brushing teeth is important, but because the carrot is worth it for you. Whatever the reward was, was worth it. But I'm not doing it because I know that I have to. I'm not doing it because I know that my life physically and spiritually depends on it. It's because it's good. But the child who sees the other child in the dentist chair and a drill and says, I'm brushing my teeth, is doing so because that child understands I have to do this. This is important. Not because I want a reward, because it's intrinsically important. I have to do this. I'll give you another example. That's not, the Yitzhak Kuttner uses an example similar to this. I'm adapting it a little bit. The difference between a person who pays their shul dues versus the person who pays their taxes. Follow me on this one. Follow me on this one. When you pay your taxes, what is the attitude that you have when you write that check? I have to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't like doing this. I'm not doing this out of the goodness of my heart. I have to do this. And if I don't, there are consequences. Serious consequences. To the degree I might end up in jail if I do it to a significant amount of time and amount of money that they pay attention to me. So that there's this kind of, when I pay him, I do it begrudgingly, but I do it because I have to and I know that there's a severe consequence that I don't want to deal with if I don't. Compare that attitude when you pay your shul dues. And you can be honest with me, it's fine, it's fine. When a person pays their shul dues, they do it in a sense of like, I'm really a good person for doing this because I don't have to do this. There's no one coming after me if I don't. So I'm really a righteous person for doing this and doing it on time because I value, and anyway, anyway, they charge too much. I really shouldn't have to pay this much. And anyway, I don't really use the shul that much. I don't really come. Whatever, all the reasons that whenever you write that check, the sense is, I'm being a tzaddik <laughs> by actually paying this because no one's coming after me if I don't. There's no consequence if I don't. I don't really get the same, all the things that we say. So we view it as like, you really owe me the fact that I'm paying you. Because, right? I'm, all right, you can be honest with me. I understand. It's fine. Those are two totally separate. You're paying the same amount of money, if it were the same amount. But one attitude is, I have to. And one is, I'm really good because I'm doing this. Which one is the attitude that the Jewish people need to accept the Torah with? An attitude of, I'm really a good guy for accepting this. When I keep Shabbos and Kashrus, I mean, I, it's, I'm, I'm a tzaddik for doing this because, because it's of the goodness of my heart. Or it's the dentist chair paying taxes of like, I, ha I have an obligation that I have to. There's a consequence. 
Somebody's coming after me, and it matters. So the morale says, when the Torah had to choose, which method is listed when Moshe says, they were both there. They were blessings, and they were curses. Which is the only one listed? The curses. Because at its primary core, when a Jew accepts Torah mitzvot, it's because I have to. It's because there are consequences. It's because there's a creator, and I'm the created, and he gave me responsibilities, and if I don't fulfill those responsibilities, it's, it's not of the goodness of my heart that I do this. There are blessings. There are blessings. Not only are there blessings, the blessings come first. Not only are there blessings and the blessings come first, what's the default position? You're going to get the blessings. But the attitude of why do I need to do this is not because there are blessings and not because the default possession position is blessings. It's because I have to. There are serious consequences. I have an obligation. Not like paying my shul dues, like paying my taxes. Not like a child who wants extra bedtime. You're going to get cavities. So the only thing that's listed is the serious, this, the heaviness, the consequences is listed. Because it's true. Preceding all of that are the blessings. And that's the balance. It's an amazing balance with which we live as Jews. Blessings are first. Blessings are the default. But the curses, the consequences, are, are primary in the sense of we live with a sense of expectation. Hashem has expectation, has demands, has requirements. We have responsibilities, and we can never forget that. And so the way that that's balanced is blessings were said first, but the only one that's actually written are, are the clothes to convey this message. And that is, as we review, it's a it's singular each and every one of us to feel that the weight of the world rests in the, hangs in the balance of our behaviors and that we should see we're on extremes as a people. We're up, we're down. We're not ever going to be normal. We're never going to be middle of the road. We're not like everyone else. We're not. We're going to be blessed or cursed. That's the way that we go. And we need to see that. And every path we take has both a blessing and a curse in it. We need to find the blessing and know that long term, the blessing over always wins out. The default position is asher, uh, the brach asher tishmu, that we will follow. We will uh, complete all of the mitzvahs and the blessings will be there. That's the default position. And lastly, what we spoke about, the idea that the blessings come first, even though the only ones that are written are the klalos, because the acceptance of the Jewish people is with significance, with consequence. We have to recognize that, even though uh, our lives should be filled always with blessings. Wishing everyone a wonderful day.